0: what's up everybody it's your boy mc murr here and you are listening to modern core gamer the premier podcast for core gamers new and old And everyone in between. So much great stuff going on right here. I am joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Triple J, J J-Town James Jonan. What's up, James? Doing good. It's a big week. Can't wait to get into it. Fantastic. And the captain that always makes it happen, Captain Retro. Hi, everybody. What's going down over there in podcast town? You're about to find out what, and we're going straight (laughs) into our new segment right now. Triple J J Town, James Jonah. What do you got for us in news this week?
1: Well, I hate to start with such a bummer, especially on a subject that is so close to near dear to my heart. But I'm dubbing this the VR industry crash, or maybe the bubble does burst. Mm, okay, might mm. be a little dramatic, but it, just listen to this lineup of things that have happened in the last four months of the VR industry. Here's six okay. recent stories. This first one is in November. Microsoft lays off uh, 10,000 employees from their XR division. That's uh, for those who don't know, XR is basically the a catch-all term for extended reality. It's Virtual Mm -hmm. reality, augmented reality, mixed reality, all that stuff. That includes HoloLens, uh, Windows Mixed Reality, Windows VR department. It's gone. All of it. They don't have a single person working in that department anymore. We hadn't heard much from them recently, but we knew that HoloLens was something they were really kind of investing a lot into. So for them to shut that down with nothing to show for it says a lot. Second news story, we've kind of touched on this in the past, but a lot of long running VR games as services are shutting down right now. Most notably is Echo VR, because this is the Fortnite of VR. Like this is one of the oldest games on VR. It's one of the biggest games on VR. It's had season passes. It's had items you can buy. All this is going away. They're not even keeping up the servers. Mm. They basically must be running on a skeleton crew, because what they've said is they don't have the resources. Meta says they don't have the resources to keep this game open. (laughs) That means okay. they don't they don't have anybody who knows how to program for it anymore yeah, is what uh, that right. means. Speaking of meta, they're laying off yet another round of their VR team. In November, they laid off 11,000. Now they're laying off even more. So can, uh, the next one is the Sony PSVR 2 launch, which is kind of a mixed one. Apparently, the PSVR 2 is really cool. It's a really strong piece of hardware. The eye tracking is like next gen stuff. Like this is going to revolutionize the VR industry. But the launch was kind of lukewarm. They had to apparently cut a lot of their headset production due to low pre-order numbers. The launch itself saw middling reviews, even games like uh, highly anticipated games like Call of the Mountain were getting sixes and sevens. Just kind of seems like it feels like a a really pretty next-gen look, last-gen mechanics. Kind of feels like a Horizon Call of the Mountain just ended up being a glorified um, climbing yeah. game, which... It's a very specific type of game. Not a lot of VR gamers who are actually in that space, like playing those type of games. But that was my looking forward to from a couple weeks ago. How sad. On the good side of that, though, apparently Gran Turismo 7 for VR is life changing. (laughs) This one of the best VR games ever made. And all they did was port the the full game to VR. So that's pretty Mm -hmm. cool. Next is Tencent. If you're familiar with Tencent, they're actually the largest video game company in the world they're coming out of china they if you don't know who they are they own riot league of legends they own stake and epic platinum paradox from software discord roblox these guys own a little bit of everything they were planning on making their own headset just for the chinese market they've completely dipped out of that in fact they're actually working with meta to get headsets out there now so they've scrapped all plans to make their headset as well biggest video game company in the world doesn't think vr is worth making on their own And then last but not least, the Pico 4, which is just until a few weeks ago being called the Quest Killer. This thing was supposed to be like the only thing that could really compete with the Quest 2 as far as price, as far as power. Like This was going to be competition in the market. And so, you know, casual people would have one on the market other than just Quest to say, which one of these two can I go to? And that always helps when you have that friendly competition between two pieces of hardware that helps the industry a lot. Looks like we're not going to get that either because they didn't sell very well in their European and Asian launches. Weird to stagger those launches, by the way. Maybe if they had put their North American launch alongside the Asian and European launches, they might have done better, but apparently not. And now they might not even be able to afford their North American launch.
0: I got a lot of heat from the VR community years back when I made the claims that VR was going to stay very niche, that there was no way it could be a front runner I think it will for in quite the a gaming while. market. And I didn't mean that in an insolent way. I just meant it as yeah. a, what else can you think it's going to do? And I think now From what you're describing, we're seeing that come full circle when you're talking about low pre-order numbers in terms of of a product like the PSVR, too. It's too high. You can blame that on the economy, too. There's probably a lot of people not ready to drop 700 bones on something like that right this second. But, yeah, I mean, it's like. They have to get
1: cheaper. They have to get smaller. And it's like we don't
0: want it to be cheaper. We want it to be. They
1: need to be more affordable is the way I should have put that.
0: Right, it's not viable at the point that it has to be this good, but it has to cost seven hundred bucks to be this good. It prices itself out. Unfortunately, it just becomes one of those things like I would love to have a pet elephant, but (laughs) logically that can't happen. It's just I don't know any other way to describe it.
1: Yeah, all said and done, between those six pieces of information, fifty thousand people have been laid off from the XR industry in the last four months.
0: I want to say that I do like VR. I did eat crow. And I went back and admitted to some of those creators in their comments like, hey, you know what? I finally played this and I love it. Yeah, there's some really it's cool really stuff in It's really cool. There. But that said, I bought the Oculus Quest for my daughter and... That thing collects more dust than anything else in this house while being one of the most unique and coolest things we own. It's just a really cool,
1: versatile thing. I I will say that I use it a lot more now that I have a high end PC because what they have going for them that other companies don't. Something another standalone company wouldn't is that you can also use this as a PC headset. I wish the PSVR 2 did that. They would be able to justify their higher price a little bit better if you could also plug it into your PC and then just use it that way as well. But of course, PlayStation loves their proprietary hardware and they're not going to do that. No, But I will say this has been a, a bittersweet moment for VR fans. I'm part of that niche community. I can say I, I'm part of all that. And it's been a weird year for us because on the surface, it looked like Zuck throwing billions of dollars into this industry should be a good thing. But actually, it just kind of felt like an outsider who didn't understand the industry was coming in and trying to buy it off. Mm -hmm. and so this might be a good thing in the long run this will be a good wake-up call for the industry Uh, the modding community is creating all kinds of things that are upgrading the industry uh the unreal engine has become vr compatible now there's a mod where Every game that's made in Unreal can be VR played in VR now. Wow. That's incredible. That is incredible. (laughs) This is wild stuff because a lot of people think of VR as not being as pretty. But when you can literally play the games you're playing on your PlayStation 5 or your high-end PC in VR without anything extra, just a mod, that's pretty incredible. Also, this company called Big Screen VR that in the past, they've kind of just been like a, a low quality netflix for vr kind of thing you could just do viewing parties with other people online they've actually put into beta one of the most innovative headsets i've ever seen this thing essentially looks like a pair of wraparound sunglasses with oleds on it something like that would revolutionize the industry it's a little expensive at the moment i think it's about a thousand for one of these things but Ooh. i know a lot of people say that's less cumbersome that's, yeah. yeah wearing a headset versus wearing sunglasses yeah. some thick sunglasses yeah. is gonna yeah that would change the number of people who it be was willing as cool as the one in. from
2: the from the Sega Master System. That's all you need, baby. Oh, yeah. Awesome (laughs) sunglasses. It's all you need. That (laughs) was great.
1: Make it that cool and people are going to buy it. I'm telling you. (laughs) Uh, Exactly. These things just need to be more accessible and the longer they're on the market, they will be. I think something like the Quest 2 wouldn't have been $300, $400 15 years ago, but now it is because that technology is more available. So I think something like the big screen VR, I think it's called Big Screen Beyond is the name of their headset. Something like that will probably be infinitely more affordable in the next five years.
0: And then we might see more people jump on board board. So my news this week, I am looking at the whole Microsoft Blizzard acquisition thing, Activision, and more importantly, the possibility of Call of Duty making its way to Switch finally. And I'm somebody that would always tout that, oh, well, you had Call of Duty. And it's like years back, that made a little bit more sense to make that claim. But as years have gone on since I've made that claim, Call of Duty has just become one of the biggest programs. I mean, I looked at Cold War on my, Xbox One the other day. It was like 160 gigs this thing is taking up. Switch isn't going to run these games. So we talk about the whole contingency behind the acquisition, whether or not Microsoft's actually going to pull this off. I mean, I don't know if we want them to pull it off. I, I don't know if they're the right ones to pull this <laughs> off. But I know that Sony is not in any way, shape or form wanting to make any deals like that. My problem with Microsoft being that their whole model is games as a service at this point, And I'm starting to just really back further and further away from thinking that's good. The more I've tried to embrace it, the harder it's pushed me off of it. It's not a friendly business model. All it stands to do is make sure that you definitely own no part of any of your games and they can just be snatched away. So, I don't know if they're the ones we want acquiring something that big. And Nintendo's going to be inferior, regardless of what they do, when it comes to running a game like Call of Duty. And I think we know the whole elephant in the room, and everybody's already clickbaiting about it on the tube that we know there's another Switch model about to drop in has to, or it's not going to run something like Call of Duty. We saw what it did with Apex Legends, and it was atrocious. It was barely playable. It was the ugliest thing, one of the ugliest things I've laid eyes on. And it really, you still have to give them props for being able to put that out on that console. Kind of like when somebody makes a game and D makes it for a Commodore 64 or something. <laughs> you're just like, wow,
1: that's incredible. There were literally were a real shooter Call of Duties on the original Wii. That's true. I think, like World of, I
0: think it was World of War. World of War was, yeah. of War of was on The whole there.
1: game was scrapped and turned into like a like House of the Dead-like.
0: Yeah. I mean, what are we even thinking? So no matter what they do, though, if we get a Switch 2, it's still not going to be a PS5. So you're still yeah. going to have an inferior Call of Duty experience on that console. Do I we actually have an care? interesting
1: quote related to exactly that. According to Nintendo Life, Call of Duty will run as you would expect, in quotes, according to Microsoft.
0: Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think they're in a position. A, where, uh, you can't make I don't that, know how to read that quote. Yeah, that, that's, <laughs> that's somebody... coming from that's coming from uh, the
1: top no. guys.
2: Uh, that's like, as you would shade. expect. That yeah. Was, oh, I love it. That's business talk. That's brilliant. It sure is. Oh, my so,
0: God. R- write it down and save it. That's a great line. It's running as you'd expect. I don't know if they're considering the fact, too, that people that are just Switch lords, I don't think they play <laughs> Call of Duty. Yeah.
1: It's, That's it's fine a very if they market. do.
0: But I play Call of Duty and I love my Switch. I want to put it to you like this The people that play Call of Duty and own a Switch, they already have a superior way to play Call of Duty. So are they really going to buy it for the Switch? Are you going to want just yet another inferior portable version of something? And what usually happens with this, what's usually the model for the Switch releases is they're always late, right? Because it's always a port, a turd version just to get it out later. And you can't be late with Call of Duty. If you play Call of Duty, you know, you can't be late. You better be on that day. You can't
1: even be three days late when Mm -mm. they do the deluxe editions where you get the early access. Overwhelmingly, the most of the hardcore players go for that.
0: And it's like, okay, but it makes it portable. But there's that claim again. But COD Mobile is making some huge strides. So you can argue that, well, that's a different game. We already kind of had options there if you absolutely had to play Call of Duty portably and the steam deck also has options for that as well so i don't know True, if it's steam worth deck the trouble and
1: throw an interesting cog in there, all that because mm-hmm. that's that'd be a great place to play it
0: so the question i think all the clickbaiters are begging and they're almost insisting that it has to be this is that news like this if it works out it guarantees a switch too by this holiday. And I don't think that's possible because you would be suggesting that Trey Arch or whoever's doing it this round has already been working on a Switch Call of Duty for at least the last two years, meaning that they're making it for hardware that might not exist yet. So I don't think that's going on. So this is the problem with speculation and all the creators that are just. speculatory. I could speculate about stuff all day. There might be a unicorn on my roof right now. There's probably not, but it's kind (laughs) of cool to think there might be. And until I go up there and look, I can't be sure if he's there or not, but I'm pretty sure he's not. So that's where all this just gets wild. We're talking about all this stuff that might never happen. And to me, I almost don't think it's going to happen. I don't think Call of Duty belongs on Nintendo consoles, and I don't think Nintendo cares, and I don't think it's really a problem for them. I would not be surprised if none of this actually pans out. Even if Microsoft actually acquires Activision, the whole thing's done legally and whatever, and they're finished with that. I don't know how you... I applaud the gesture that, hey, we would love to bring Call of Duty to Switch. But I think that the brand, the franchise, has outgrown what Nintendo's capable of in terms of hardware. They will always be steps beyond what Nintendo is ready to put forth in terms of hardware that could run a program that sophisticated. I tried to run 2K22 on my Switch and it about exploded. It's just, it's, it's, these games are too big. Yeah, I'm sorry. It just, that's not what you have one of those When they for. have
1: something like The Witcher, you can see all of the, just where they basically caved and had to change things.
2: Well, there always been like a console generation behind. With their technology and their specs and like they don't care about that they care about making games that are playable and fun for all ages and milking their franchises to death and milking the consumer for every nickel and dime they can squeeze out of them for re-releasing and doing all that so what's a Switch 2 even going to be you know what I mean like even if it did be a if it was a thing it's is it going to compete with a Steam
0: Deck. No. Absolutely it, uh, I'll answer so, that in a word. No. It would have to beat the Steam Deck. It's not right. gonna the Steam Deck not gonna Steam, do that. So Yeah, you're telling me that it would have to be perfect ten eighty H D or maybe even 4k. And they're not going to step beyond that. And the Steam Deck's a relatively new thing, and even it doesn't do that. So yeah, we're not talking about, uh, I mean, if you're not going to be able to run stuff like Call of Duty and Battlefield, I mean, I can't fathom making a console just to do that. I mean, we'll say it's an interesting stat that Modern Warfare 2 was the best-selling game of last year. I read that. I'm not sure how valid Call of Duty that claim almost is. always
1: is though, and I've seen them inflate those numbers. I don't think they did anything weird last year, but they've always been bad about including free copies. And mm-hmm. GameStop would have a buy Overwatch and get Call of Duty for free deal; those all count as sales. Sure. So they've always been bad about doing things like that on years where they're not selling as well. But last year might have been genuine. I, I do mm-hmm. feel like the there was mostly good reception around that one, but.
0: Well, it'll be interesting to see where we land on all of that, and we may know sooner than later. Captain, let's go to you now on news. Uh, what's happening in your world? I did get a chance to go to the movies this weekend with my buddy John
2: Michael. We went and saw the new Ant-Man, and it was pretty good. And my news is uh, is about the movies, technically, and I want to talk to you specifically, Andy, about one movie that's coming out, but both of y'all, okay. about this next movie that's coming out, and they're pushing it up two days. The new Super Mario Brothers movie is coming out, and it was released date of was set for april 7th but now it has been bumped up to the 5th so we're going to get two days earlier access two days. To, what, a two weird, days. what a weird what a weird it Very almost feels strange. like
1: they're just like does something else come out two days later that they didn't want to compete against yeah maybe I, I don't know if it's it's is it a, a
2: day of the week issue? Like, uh, is it a Sunday instead of a Friday? Probably was. Of you was. Know, you know? used
1: to do releases on Sundays back when I started in the video game industry. Right. And as time went on, they started pushing it to different, uh, to Fridays. And maybe they just had the Tuesdays, wrong... but they actually did used to always release on Sunday. And I think that might just be a Japanese sensibility,
2: right? Get it at the last day of the week, I guess, or I don't know, get the, have it ready to go for the fresh week coming up when they, when they do release something, it's kind of like music used to come out on a Tuesday. Like when you used to go buy an Mm -hmm. album, it was a Tuesday day to go buy the new albums that were coming out. Anyway, this movie looks fantastic. I don't care about any of the online stuff. I haven't read reviews. I haven't read anybody's hypotheses or speculation thereof of what they think it's going to be. I saw the trailer. I liked the trailer. I missed Mario's I voice, too. but it didn't, wasn't a deal breaker for me. It looks great. It looks funny. It's got Charlie Day in it. He's hysterical. So yeah, I'm, I'm great, sure it's going casting for Luigi. Yeah. And perfect Bowser
1: is Jack Black, right? Another perfect pair up. That first- like,
2: So it's perfect. It sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of cute fun. And I'm sure Nintendo let the company that made it go all out with it. And it looks great. It looks great.
1: It really does. I was worried about Illumination taking over at first, but they have definitely won me over with the trailers.
2: Yeah. I cool. mean, I don't have a thing bad to say about it other than I've kind of missed the let's go. You know, the Mario voice. The, the What's his
1: name? Robin? Charles Martinet. Martinet. Apparently like has the- a, a cameo in the movie, so we can speculate what that is hmm, maybe he's Mario's dad. Mario, Mario, Mario.
2: <laughs> what do you think, Andy? I loved the original one as a kid. I mean, it was it was terrible and I knew it was terrible then, but it was still kind of fun. I like John Leguizamo. I always liked the dude from uh, Roger Rabbit. I thought he was good in it, And but it's, it's a terrible movie. And I've gone back and seen it in my 30s again, in my 40s, early 40s. I watched it a couple years ago. It is bad, but it is also that bad kind of <laughs> good. You know what I mean?
0: That, it, it really is. I think this movie will do very well. I mean, I know there, there's been naysay Paying for attention and o faces for clickbait and (laughs) and whatever you want to do about it. Not everybody's had great things to say about it, but I think it looks fantastic. And as far as a movie for the kids, I know my kids are going to love it. Mario transcends, and I don't have to tell anybody this. This isn't news. All generations. Nobody doesn't like the plumber. Okay, so.
1: Yeah, yeah um, to polls say Mario is more recognizable worldwide than Mickey Mouse. I can right, believe that. Uh,
0: yeah, at, at this point, you just got it's It's going to do its own thing. And I'm not trying to circle back to what I was just talking about, Nintendo competing. But here's another weird sense in which they don't really have any competition. Whenever and however they launch a Super Mario movie. Mm hmm. Yeah, people are going to be in there for It'll that. It'll
1: be better than the Uncharted movie. We can. But at least it's consistent sure.
2: with their game releases, and then they do something weird with it. They're, it's their own thing. They've moved it two days back now. That'll work. So in that, saying that and asking your opinion on that film, I want to know your opinion on the other film I've seen all a trailer for, and that was, it was hard to watch. It was hard to sit through the trailer. It looked like pandering nonsense for idiots, and it's Dungeons and Dragons. I don't know what mm. the third title is. There's a third title in there somewhere, too. Dungeons and Dragons, blah, 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 blah. Revengeance. And the rising it looked <laughs> terrible never go back to dungeons and dragons lake it looked bad like yeah. real bad real, written bad it had chris pine and some other people that i knew in it but i was like this looks god they're, they're just taking a paycheck and standing in a green screen yeah, from what i bad. gathered
0: yeah it was done from a very meta perspective like people going into their own D game and not from a actual lore of D. right so that's not exciting to be in the least at a certain point you're just you're making a mockery out of it
2: my jaw was agape the entire trailer and i was like this is Awful looking. It was not and what it was I like thought. Dungeons it was dra- be. I, they don't give you the title till the end of the trailer, and I was like,
1: "Are you kidding me? This is the Dungeons and Dragons movie yeah. I heard about." It seems like that. When was the original? Not original. Well, maybe it was, it was the, the, original from the early eighties. There yeah. was one
2: from the early. I think with Tom Hanks possibly in it, or
1: somebody kind of a big name now was in it. I remember. I want to say there was one around early maybe or late nineties, early two thousands, and it was terrible as well. It feels like they just did a one eighty, and and this is the complete opposite of what that movie was trying to do, which and just neither way is going to (laughs) succeed. I don't know if you can make a good D&D movie.
0: Moving into our second segment of the podcast, what we have been playing. And James, you know, I got to know what you've been playing. Tell us about it.
1: Well, I made a weird
0: right turn this
1: week, a right turn away from my to-do list. <laughs> and okay. I decided to sign up for Game Pass. I've Believe it or not, I've never had it. I haven't had an Xbox since 360 generation. Nothing against it. I just haven't had it. And I did my $1 Game Pass and signed up for PC Game Pass on my PC because I finally have a high-end PC I can take advantage of. And one of the first games that jumped out at me was Citizen Sleeper, partially because It just looks kind of cool, but partially because this is an award winning game that everybody had on their top 10 list last year. And it's this weird little indie thing. You're like, what is so good about this? Why are people talking about this? Now I see why people are talking about this. This has easily bumped its way to my top five, if not maybe my top three of last year. On its surface, it's a deep space dystopian game. It's labeled as a CRPG, which if you know what a CRPG is, it's Baldur's Gate, Disco Elysium type stuff. Mm hmm. This is not a CRPG. This is almost a visual novel mashed up with a tabletop game. It's got dice. It's got timers. It's got gauges. You can almost feel the pieces in your hands of this being a board game. But then when you progress the story, you meet a character, you're reading their dialogue, you're reading the prose in in fantastic writing. Somewhere between Disco Elysium, Monster Prom, Sunless Sea, and a little bit of board game in there. And it's just one of the most unique things I've played in ages. It's kind of brutal. It's sort of a resource, kind of like a resource management game is the word I'm looking for there. Okay. You start off each day with a dice rolls, depending on how much energy and how much hunger you have. You can get up to six dice rolls that day and each dice roll will be correlate to an action you can do you can use that dice roll to go work and get money you can use it to go hang out with people and further your relationships you can use it to go try and get food or forage or explore the city you can use it for all kinds of different things the interesting thing is speaking of D, when the way we play it when you create a character mm-hmm. you roll your die you have your die that you're going to use and you have to allocate them somewhere no reroll right that's how every day in this game works if you roll six ones Good luck. Right. Yeah. But more than likely, you're going to have a lot of different variances there. You're going to have sixes, you're going to have fours, you're going to have ones, and you're going to have to decide what you're going to allocate to where. Because the different actions you can do will have different types of danger levels. If you're working, you're in space here, you're on a space station on this thing. You might go to work and could get seriously injured and lose some life if you roll a one. Whereas on the other side of that, if you you know, roll a six, you might get double the money and some you might get fed because maybe you met a, wor- a friend at work that day and they decided to give you some, some money to share some of their lunch. So the die rolls are just you really have to plan ahead, like how you're going to use these things every day. And that's kind of how the in and out of this game works is you're deciding what you're going to do every day with diminishing resources, because it's really hard to get lots of money. You have to You're constantly spending the money on food. You're constantly spending the money on your energy sources and things like that. It's just such a good balance and it feels difficult, but because it's a story based game, it never felt too punishing. If you roll a one, you might take a little bit of damage, but you're probably not going to die. You're probably Uh just going to take a little bit of damage and then get some flavor text to, you know, back that up on that same token, like the story and the characters are what really make this game shine. The board game mechanics are really cool. I'm into that stuff. Mm -hmm. But the story is why this is an award winning game. So you're a sleeper, which is basically a human whose mind has been uploaded into a robot to be controlled as a work resource by an evil corporation. Great. Yeah, right. Already off to a great start. You awake on a a space station and all you know is that you have escaped the corporation and that they will be coming for you. So you've gotten out of the evil machine, but you're going to be bounty hunters on your butt soon. So not only do you need to eat and manage your energy, but long term, you need to be setting up security net. You need to be making friends. You need to be finding shelter. You need to be joining factions who might back you up if a bounty hunter comes to come get you so half the city is uh, you know owned by organized crime the other half is kind of like a local government type thing and both sides really come off as being both empathetic but also maybe a little bit shady (laughs) there's really no black and white in this game like every character every faction kind of has the dark and light side to them and you just kind of have to decide who you're going to side with and a lot of times even the people who seem like they're on your side may screw you over because they need to get on top too this is a brutal world and they might step on your head when you least expect it. And you might decide to do the same or you might go the role-playing route and sacrifice some things for these people. And uh, you stop thinking about this as a game and start thinking about it as a role-playing situation. Sure. You get attachments to these characters and you really don't want to screw them over. Or on the other side of that, you might really dislike a character and you might go out of your way and use some of your resources to get revenge on them when it really would be better to go out and help yourself. But you said, you know what? I'm going to make the sacrifice to screw
0: this guy over. That, that would be me. I can Right? See that,
1: yeah. <laughs> (laughs) And I really did. By the end, this thing has all kinds of endings and storylines. I'm sure. And by the end, I was juggling three or four different the I might want to go these routes. But at the same time, I knew there were three or four ending routes. I didn't even touch because I wasn't interested in those characters or those factions. So there's so I could just see this
0: being something that has a ton of replayability. Yeah. Now, is it only on Xbox or where else can we play this game?
1: This thing is all over the place, actually. Um, This is available on PC, Switch, Xbox Series X and X. Yes, The only thing it's not available on, weirdly enough, are the PlayStation systems. Don't know how they got left out of this, but I think I didn't play it on Switch, but I do think that would have been an excellent place to play it. This is very low graphical, like it does a lot with what it has. But this is when it comes down to it, a pretty indie game. It's made by a company called Jump Over the Age, which apparently is a solo dev. So like my uh, played game last week, this is another just award winning title that one dude made
0: out of his garage with a little bit of help. Well, it sounds fantastic. Twenty dollars on the eShop for any
1: $20 would have been well worth it. I paid the it, dollar I for game say, pass. It and sounds I am, like it. Yeah. I'm, I'm seeing stars. For a portable I'll, version. I think yeah. this would be
0: one to really like, if you would like taking something like this on the road, but I also would like to just throw it down on the uh, Xbox for the game pass, just to take a look at it. I think. If yeah. That's how that, it started.
1: I wasn't uh-huh. sure if I was going to get this or not. Uh, you know, some of the screenshots were like, oh, I, I kind of see the appeal, but I'm not sure what really exactly what it was. I was hooked on it within two gameplays I was playing it every night it was the game I was playing at that point yeah,
0: well, I mean, with your recommendation, I could it see... It sounds $20. fascinating. Yes, it sounds
2: fascinating. And honestly, sitting here and listening to Triple J talk about what's going on like with this game and how much he likes it. Like, it's just... I forgot. I was on a podcast for a minute. I was just enthralled <laughs> with him talking about this game. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I got a topic I got to get ready. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> that was great, it's, man. It's that wild, yeah. It went from
1: I might be interested in this to, like I said, might be top three of the year. Like, this knocked God of War out of my top three right. for last
0: year. That's saying wowzers. Something. It really right? Captain, I got to know what you've been playing. Why don't
2: you tell us about it? Well, I'm Captain Retro and I like older games and I stick with older stuff and I don't necessarily play a lot of PC gaming. But you asked me this question earlier and I had mentioned Bro Force on the PlayStation 4. I played a lot of that. If you've ever played Broforce, it's a Contra-esque scrolling 'em up that you can play with like up to four people online mm-hmm. and just random teams will show up and play with you. And uh, it's a lot of fun, a lot of goofy nonsense blowing up stuff over the top rocket launchers and and fun, but I totally forgot that I've also gone back through, uh, thanks to Steam, I I just downloaded Steam out here in the garage and I was like, I'm going to start playing some computer games, let's see what's going on here, and I didn't realize that Steam was a world that I should be in, because there's all kinds of FMV games on here that I've never played, the first being a game I did play, I I went back through The Seventh Guest, do you know The Seventh Guest? Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm familiar with that. Okay, so back when we were kids, man, when I had that like 486SX, computer at my house in the kitchen i would play that my parents be watching tv in the living room and i bought the seventh guest and i labeled it in and i would have to sit with they had to be in the room next to me where i couldn't play it if i was in there by myself i wasn't turning it on it spooked me out that much as a kid it's not spooky at all in today's standards of anything i had the same experience i just i couldn't play it if my folks weren't around i think i was about 12 or 13 when that game came out something like that the sequel However, is what I'm about to start playing, I guess. I just downloaded it, too, and it was uh, $5.99 for the sequel. The the original game is $9.99. It's a 25th anniversary of The Seventh Guest they've got on there. And then it came out in 2019. I guess it was like a remastered version of it. And then there's also the sequel that is called The Eleventh Hour. And I never bought that, never played that as a kid. It looks like more of the same pointing and clicking and figuring out puzzles in a creepy haunted mansion with FMV. So I downloaded that, and I was about to crank that up like right the night before we left to go to florida i downloaded it and i didn't get a chance to play it yet but you it, it sprang into my head as we were sitting here talking about it and i just i can't wait to play the sequel to one of my favorite scary games as a kid
1: i should actually go back to that too same situation i, I played the seventh guest as a kid wanted to play the 11th hour but pc games were expensive back yes. then you, couldn't, sure. I, you know at 12 13 years old i couldn't fork out 40 bucks yeah for a for a PC game, I just couldn't. I got lucky. So I think that was never a Christmas myself.
2: I think it was a Christmas present or something that I asked for, and I, I got it. That one, I, one of the last PC games I remember buying, because I, I did play PC games way back in the day, was uh, Police Quest. One of the Police Quest games. I think it was number. four.
1: 3 or 4. Those were solid too. Those were solid all the quest too. games. And, I, and
2: if that that kind of stuff's on here on Steam then I'm just going to fall in love with Steam, I think, because I miss my uh point and clicks and my interactive games, all the scum games from LucasArts. Yeah. I, I can play all that FNV stuff. FMV
1: games are making a big comeback too. There's uh, even on the uh, Nintendo Switch and Xbox and PlayStation you yeah, can buy I, uh, there's new FMV games now. I played in something fact, that... uh, Immortality was one of up for I don't think it was up for Game of the Year last year, but it was up for a lot of prestigious awards. And that's FNV FMV game was at the game awards for multiple things. Right. And there's that
2: thing like Bandersnatch that was on Netflix. That's kind of an interactive FMV game. Almost felt
1: like a Telltale game, but if it were a TV show. (laughs) Right. So that's kind of cool. I love
2: interactivity like that. And I like a good story and goofy bad acting. So that's I can't wait for the 11th hour, baby.
0: (laughs) (laughs) With our games out of the way, what are you playing right now, MC Mer? Well, I am playing the new... Power Pros Baseball, WBSE Baseball Power Pros to be a little more specific. This was shadow dropped in the direct and I was already needing to change my underwear halfway through that direct.
2: That happened when I was gone and I haven't gone back and watched it yet. So I need to go watch that.
0: You really do because my jaw, I. it took a while to even find where on the floor it hit to pick it back up after all that. And even toward the end, they were just shooting some quick ones out there. and Boom, new Power Pros. And I'm like... A new PowerPro available now. They always do that available right now. What? So, and it just kept getting crazier. I get in here, I turn on the switch, there it is. This is usually something that you would say for the end of a presentation like this, but it's only 99 cents on the eShop. Now, that's insane. That said, there are some issues, and we'll talk about them. And for 99 cents, Can't really even cry about them. But a lot of people don't know about Power Pros because Power Pros is a baseball game with the funny little square headed dudes with the big feet and it's cartoony. And I've got a couple on the Wii. Yeah, the first one was on the Wii and they were on PS2 as well. But people don't know. People don't know about those games because they just, they didn't pick them up. The first one is actually a dating sim. And I'll give you a minute to process that. <laughs> it's a dating sim. We streamed it on the show. And I'm going to put I a link. I remember
1: that. I'd, I've been meaning to go back yeah.
0: to it ever since. And I'm going to put a link in the show notes to that stream on my YouTube channel so you can see what I'm talking about. It's a dating sim. I mean, yes, it has real rosters. Yes, real teams. Yes, you can play a season, exhibitions with real teams. But you can also make a character and come up through college and work your way into the pros. And in doing that, you have all these things that you have to do that almost act as resources. Like you have so much you can get done in a week. You got to make sure you get your schoolwork done. You got to make sure you study. You got to make sure there's a little bit of leisure in there. You got to work your game with the chicks. You got to take girls out on dates. You got to do all this stuff. Now, a very small part of it is actually playing baseball. When a game (laughs) comes up, then you'll play the game when it's time for a game on the calendar. But it's like maybe 20 percent, maybe less of the actual play in that mode. I love that angle, though. I would play this. Okay, so let's say you're a pitcher, right? If that's the position you pick. You don't have the whole game go through. The only parts of the game you play is when you're pitching and when you're up to bat in the batting order. And the rest of the game is simmed behind the scenes. And how good you do will play a part, of course, into whether or not the game is won. And I played through this entire campaign and just did adequate, right? Because it's my first time playing and I was getting the feel of it. And it turned out I didn't get into the pros. I went undrafted. And that. Beta game over situation that was the end of my character i was like man i guess Brutal. i need to start over but now let's get on to the new game that was power pros that was the first one this is not that <laughs> this is a very polished power pros it's a very good looking power pros it does not have actual players this isn't major league baseball It's very cartoony, funny looking characters. There's like a barbarian with an axe and a dude that looks like a Power Ranger and they all have (laughs) all funny animations and things that they do, but they all do have stats and abilities and you have to build a team out of those players spending a set amount of points that you're given. So the most you can build with the amount of points you're given, right? You have to strategically build a team and balance that out to where they're either good at batting, maybe they're better at fielding. You got to kind of make a balanced thing because there's online play. And that's where this really shines, because it doesn't really shine anywhere else. There's a big lack of modes. There's no career mode. There's no season to play. There's none of that. There's just versus, or you can just play against the computer, a one-on-one, an exhibition. Or you're playing tournaments, or you're online playing other people. Now, I will say the matchmaking does very well. There's just not many people playing this game, because I'm sure people missed it or just didn't know what it was. There were 11 people online playing the other night. Now, you can open up a lobby and say what kind of game you want to play and just sit there and wait for someone to join. Or you can look and see if there's somebody else waiting and then join them and play them. So far, I haven't had a problem getting into a game. But OK, you have an online that's very functional, yet very small. So, you know, that's almost it's got like a time limit on it. Right, It's got an expiration date. Yeah, how, how long you can't play this in game. two years. How many people would be on if launched week? There were 11 people. And James, you heard me complain early on, like the first night about I don't think I like this, right, because it, it it felt wrong. Mm-hmm. My players when fielding, I mean, they were batting like crazy. I was hitting them out of the park. But when fielding, they were like drunks on a rope bridge and they were slower than the ball. Like the ball was just rolling oh, through no. the grass and like they couldn't catch it. I mean, you could play like chariots of fire in the background of them trying to run after this ball and they just can't even get to it. And it's just <laughs> like, God, why can't they get to the ball? And then they fall on it and the ball would keep going. And it's like no baseball player. You wouldn't even play ball if you were this bad at it. So I went back through after getting my butt kicked online and I assembled a team that was all the way up in their fielding, but just really not very good at batting. And I still came out great at batting. In fact, I won that next online game four to nothing, shut the other guy out, sent him packing. And it's like, okay, so I'm good at batting because I know how to bat in this game, even though regardless of what the stat says. But my fielding was fine because I had that stat all the way up. They weren't acting like that anymore. They weren't drunks on a rope bridge. It felt like a real baseball game. The AI was either Mm -hmm. taking the non-controlled character to the ball or the one that I had control of. He was on it. He fell on it. He got it in the glove. Whatever he had to do, right? He caught it. And I could immediately get it to the base and get the out, double play, whatever I was trying to do. So what do the mechanics feel like? Would you compare it to play wise? It feels very much like an eight or 16 bit baseball game. It's okay, a, but, I don't hate that. I mean, but you no, do I was, have... I was what you're saying he was chasing the ball. I was
2: thinking in my head like LJN Baseball from the Nintendo back in the day that's just move all three <laughs> outfielders at the same time and you get, you're get all one leg, you know, they're taking forever. No, it's to get not to like that. It's
0: pretty animated and it's still this gen. It looks fantastic, but it's very simple in that it's obviously not MLB the show. You do have... Th- right three or four different types of pitches you can do, depending on which pitcher you're using. And you'll see the trajectory of how that ball is going to go. So you can decide in the strike zone where you're going to throw it. And you can really strategize because you're throwing your pitch into a real person. So I was finding That's that... Cool. I w- I was throwing sliders and curves, and there he was having a heck of a time hitting. He just got really no hits at all. But yeah, it's it's still kind of arcadey. It's not going to be a like a simulation or anything like that. But it's a game that I've already got history with, and I was really hoping that low key hoping there would still be some dates in. I'm still in interested,
1: there. but I'm gonna I'm not gonna lie. Hearing there are no sim elements <laughs> in it kind of turns me off a little. Yeah, bit. It, I
0: mean, <laughs> unless you like baseball games, I mean, it's it's only ninety nine cents, but you probably bear with the dollar. <laughs> I mean, you could really make a dentist's <laughs> yeah, point. You always
1: complain for the dollar, but the betrayal of the franchise name is kind of a weird. And I don't think that that's that's what they
0: think is. It's almost, you can argue, the first Power Pros was its own betrayal. It's like, wait a minute. What what is this? (laughs) This isn't a baseball game. I mean, it is, but what is this? I wonder how
1: many people hate that game. (laughs) I don't know.
0: I I think people just skip over it because they'd rather have a real baseball experience. I mean, 2K was still the thing in baseball at that time, and they had iterations on the Wii. So, I mean, there, there were better baseball games you could buy that actually looked real. I just don't think people played that game. And on PS2 as well. I mean, I played the heck out of 2K5, 2K6, full seasons, love those games, love the control. It was the last few games before 2K really muddied up the controls and made it to where it just To me, it wasn't fun anymore. But yeah, that's what I've been playing. 99 cents also on PSN, from what I understand. So anyone on Sony can try the game as well. But it doesn't have that wild exotic charm that the first Power Pro ended up having. with Yeah, the first
1: one does really sound like an unsung gem. Just one of those weird Wii titles that there are probably a dozen of those that no one's heard of, but are just fantastic when you get your hands on.
0: And at the very least, without an actual in depth career mode you can play, with it leaning so heavily, relying on an online experience that may not exist in a yeah. month or so, it's hard to say what the future of this game really holds. All right. So moving on into the third segment of this podcast, what we are looking forward to. James, what's on the horizon for you?
1: Well, speaking of that last Nintendo Direct, the gift that keeps on giving. Mm -hmm. They announced, well, not announced the game, but announced the demo drop for an upcoming game called Sea of Stars. Already had a little bit of like underground, like indie hype. But that demo really put this thing on the map. This is an upcoming classic inspired turn based RPG Think something like corner Trigger, or like a few weeks ago, I talked about Chained Echoes. This is a lot like that kind of game. It's made for PC, Switch, PS4, and PS5. Xbox got left out of this one for some reason. I don't, I'm sure they'll eventually get it, but not in the launch lineup. But hmm. this is coming August 29th. But you can play the demo right now. This is a good two to three hour long demo that will really, by the end of that demo, you're going to know if you want this game or not. So I right. highly recommend going people going out and trying that. It's made by Sabotage Studio, and I just found this out during research. This game is a prequel to The Messenger. If you know what The Messenger was, Ooh. this was a a really cool, highly rated indie game that came out a few years ago that was a, essentially a Ninja, Ninja Gaiden-like. So not only is this genre jumping, but it's jumping timeline by about a thousand years. But apparently this is in that world <laughs> It's a very strange thing to learn, but really cool game. I mean, I'm loving this thing. I actually played through it twice. I don't play through demos twice very often, but being a turn based old school style RPG, but a lot of subversion right off the bat. As soon as you start this thing, you got a choice between two main characters. I don't think I can think of a game that's ever done that. Now, what the actual effect of that is, I'm not really sure. I chose Valerie, who is, uses the moon magic, but I think uh, Zale is the name of the sun magic character.
0: Yeah, also is
1: in your party. So no matter who you pick, the other character is in your party, but you take control of whoever you decided to in the beginning. Right. Not sure how that affects it long term. Graphics in this thing are wild. It's definitely inspired by a 16 bit generation of RPGs, but it's a huge evolution in power and scale of that. Yeah. I imagine like if 3D and polygonal graphics just never happened and 2D just kept going generation to generation, this would be what pixel art looked like two generations down the road after SNES. That's an interesting perspective on that. Yeah, just the fluid movement almost looked like animation. There are real time shadows, reflection on water, lighting through windows, flickering from a fireplace. Just all kinds of bells and whistles that you never would have gotten from an old school game. The world map is a really traditional, almost like a Final Fantasy old, like Final Fantasy one through six or a Dragon Quest, that kind of thing. But there's so much moving and going on, and it. it almost is like a moving piece of art. And you just want to stop and look at it. Let's move to the battles real quick, because, of course, it's an RPG. You got to talk about the battles. Yep, kind of traditionally turn based in a way, but with a twist Offense and defense are interactive. Uh, Think something like Paper Mario, if you've played that. If you hit the button at the right time, you might get an extra hit in. You might get a critical in. You might defend better take less damage. You can also bounce back and forth. You can throw a projectile. It'll hit them, bounce back, and you'll have to hit it at the right time. You might have to charge a button to charge up your fireball or something. All kinds of little cool things that make combat just interactive. Every moment you're never sitting still. There are also a really cool element was that enemies have shields. Like the tougher enemies have these. Basically, a a slot machine will pop up, and a bunch of blocks will pop up over their head when they're about to do a special hardcore attack. And it'll show a combination of magic or this type of magic or a defend or attack, and you'll have to block knock those out by doing those type of attacks. If you can knock all those blocks out before they do their their move. You essentially dizzy them. You, you give them a stun and they, their move is canceled. If you don't do it, good luck. <laughs> that move is going to be harsh. Positioning plays a big part, too. There are a lot of AOE attacks, but they'll only hit a certain part of the map. And so there are even moves that are dedicated to positioning. There are characters that their whole point will be grappling somebody and throwing them closer to another group. So they might hit the guys over there, but they'll also reposition the enemy. And last but not least in the battle section was the revive system. I thought this game was really tough at first. I was dying by regular mobs and dungeons. And then I just kind of played it out at one point. Let the guy die. Didn't revive him because I didn't have enough items. And he revived himself. It turns Mm. out this wasn't mentioned in the tutorial at all. And I just kind of found out in real time. But when you get knocked out, you have stars pop up above your head. Almost like a Tweety Bird kind of thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And there's a number of stars above your head. And each turn they go down. And at the end of that, dude wakes himself up with half help. Okay. I think this is gonna be gonna be a pretty big part of the game. I think this is, is kind of them putting that Dark Soulsy, you're meant to die sometimes. Use that as part of your strategy. So that was a really interesting thing. I think the last thing I'm going to mention on it are the rest zones were really interesting. Anytime you find a save point, it's essentially a hotel room or a campfire. You And they act as like kind of a hub, like a mini hub. You can go in there, you can refill your points by sleeping, but, and you can save your game, but you can also cook there. You can craft there. You can talk to your other party members there. You can talk to non-combat party members there, which was really interesting. You're not just walking around with your crew of bruisers. You might also have a, a storyteller or a map maker or something else in that group. Who don't show up in your combat situations, but will show up at your sleep, like your your rest spots and serve different purposes there. Even some of the quest givers, I noticed, will follow you, not follow you in battle, but will be there at your rest point, And you can talk to them about the quest and ask
0: questions. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's cool stuff. I only got to play the first hour of the demo, but I could already tell getting into the combat and experiencing combat some cool. of the systems that you're describing, that this is definitely a game for me. There's a double edged sword there because I do like turn based combat where I can sit back with one finger, hit buttons and drink my coffee. And, yeah. You know, but at the same time, it's like in order to make a turn based game viable in this day and age, you almost need something like what they're doing, something that creative to keep people vested in it so they don't fall asleep. They and specifically uh, you know, mentioned it really in the tutorial it that
1: You don't need to do the extra hits to succeed, but they're just kind of that little extra gift but we'll of see course. how that goes like i told you i ja was dying in the dungeons thing. on the demo so <laughs> right <laughs> and i do want to mention more and more thing real quick one of the reasons this game is so high pro- profile despite being an indie is because they have actually got a guest composer on most of the music is made in house by sabotage but industry legend Yasunori mitsuda is actually guest tracking on several tracks mm-hmm. if you don't know who this is he did the chrono trigger soundtrack he did the chrono cross soundtrack xeno gears shadow hearts all the xenoblades He's royalty in this industry. Yeah. And so for an indie company to have even gotten three or four tracks on this thing from this guy is yeah
2: pretty person, crazy. Yeah. He must like it or they pay really good. And exactly. I can't imagine that I can't imagine the, it's gotta be the yeah, it's gotta <laughs> be
1: the former.
0: <laughs> well, that all sounds very cool. Captain, I gotta know what you're looking forward to. Tell us about it.
2: Well, you guys know me. I'm Pinball Maniac, and it doesn't happen often. A couple times a year, another one has been announced yesterday the foo fighters are getting their own pinball machine and this one's kind (laughs) of near and dear to my heart not only do i love the foo fighters and dave grohl and i've always liked everything he's pretty much ever done. He seems like a rad dude and a good human being. The movie was great. Studio 666 if you've seen that. but this I pinball, forgot about that. It was fantastic. Later tonight. <laughs> Rent it or whatever you gotta do. Watch it. It's hysterical. It's a black comedy horror movie. It's very funny. And unfortunately Taylor just passed away. Their drummer passed away recently. But he's on the pinball machine and it looks amazing. The The art is done by the same guy who did Ghostbusters and a handful of other machines. Uh, his name's Zombie Yeti is his artist's name. It looks incredible. It, it kind of looks like Scooby-Doo itself there. All the Foo Fighters are in a van driving around, and they are <laughs> I believe they're being chased by aliens in Foo's, you know, Foo Fighters. And they're going to shoot the aliens down with their van that has a big cannon on top of it. And it looks incredible. It's very, very, very vivid. It's a cartoon-style artwork. It's designed by a, a handful of folks at Stern. But the coolest thing about it is Jack Danger or Dead Flip, another uh, streamer and uh, collaborator of mine. I've done some stuff with him. hes I've met him at a couple conventions. We played on live streams together at, at pinball tournaments. He's just a cool, nice guy. He started out as a pinball fan. He was one of the first streamers of pinball. He eventually got hired by Stern to start streaming their machines and now he is designing pinball machines for Stern, and it's his first full-size game. He put out one last year. The Jurassic Park Home Edition is designed by him, but this is the first full-size game, and it has a very cool, innovative feature. His name, Dead Flip, is a pinball trick, and there's a h- lot of different pinball tricks you can learn, but a dead flip is essentially letting the ball bounce off the flipper without hitting the flipper. You just dead flip it. You don't hit the flipper. And this game has a thing called a death post save in it, in the out lane where the ball would normally go out on the bottom left hand side of the pinball machine heading towards the out hole will be a little pole that you can pop up out of the ground to bounce the ball back in between the flippers. If you lift the left flipper up and pop the pole up, it can bounce the ball back up between the flippers to save the ball from death. And it's a very innovative and it looks very cool. There's also a ricochet shot that looks like a little wall mounted cannon kind of thing that's a flat surface. But when the ball touches it, it kicks like a pop bumper really Really hard and fires it up towards the top of the game like a ramp. It goes up a ramp and around a corner. It it looks like about 15 different combo shots, maybe four or five lanes, a couple spinners, two or three ramps. It is impressively cool looking and I cannot wait. I'm a big pinball fan. They're going to be 69 99 starting out for the pro model and they go up from there. But honestly, I just sold the Kiss pinball machine, and I got a really good chunk of money for it. And I think I might buy a Foo Fighters. That's it'll be coming out in about. I wouldn't blame you. It sounds really cool. It does. It honestly, the the layout. I had a Godzilla Pro, which is right now is probably my favorite pinball machine of all time. I had that for a little while, sold it, and I've been waiting for the next one. You know that I want to put big money into, and I think the Foo Fighters is the one I want to play next, and that. That means I'm gonna to have to save some of this cash for that purpose. Mm-hmm. I like I'm to a- espouse my love of pinball and, and I, I love to keep it alive. And I hope anybody out there listening that has never played it before goes and looks in your local town. There's a thing called pinballmap.com. You can go to the pinmap.com and in your area it, it should have an area. You can look up where you live and see where pinball machines are on location in your area all over the country. And uh it's very cool. And I just wanna spread the love of pinball. So go out there and play. So Andy, what is going down over at your house? What are
0: you looking forward to coming up next? I am excited for the new Dokapon Kingdom. Ooh. And it's not necessarily the new Dokapon Kingdom. It's Dokapon Kingdom, but it's coming to the Switch, right? And we're looking at some new modes. We know that. We just don't know what outside of that. We're looking for in this. It's good enough that Doke upon Kingdom is coming back. I'd have settled for a port. <laughs> Absolutely, it could have been the same game, and of course, it's going to have online play. That being the uh, biggest addition to it. I can't remember if the Wii one did. I don't know that it did. Did it? I don't think it did. If it did, I never played it. I've played N- it not the fairly, online. Re- but I've
1: played it within the last three or four years, and I don't remember that being an option.
0: Yeah, I don't think it was. But that's what we're getting with the new Doke upon, and obviously, that's paramount because you're going to want to be able to. Play that with friends. And Has there been a Dokapon gonna...
2: since the other Dokapon? There's only the one, right? On the no. Wii.
0: Well, there's, there's the one on one Wii, and Wii and one on DS. On
2: DS, Dokapon Journey. But this will okay. be
0: Dokapon Kingdom Connect. It's being published by Idea Factory, same guys that do a lot of the great JRPG games and they do the Hakuoki games. Anyway, it's Dokapon. And you're talking about a game where you can literally send a pile of poop to the king and put another player's name on it so that he'll be angry with them. (laughs) It you got the whole board game format and then you also have this fantastic turn based Dragon Quest style combat and classic. It really is like Dragon Quest meets Mario Party. It is. It's indescribable. And it's enraging. Just like Mario Party. But it's hard to get too mad when you're playing against a human opponent because, well, you're still going to get mad playing against a human opponent, but it's not the same as Mario Party where you're getting mad at the CPU, forgetting the exact role that it needs every single yeah. time. <laughs> That's not happening. But it is a game where you historically have to trash the other player, fight them. Beat them up. And meanwhile, you're trying to expand by wiping out these villages, taking them over by beating the boss monster that's got control of it, and then collecting taxes off the uh, citizens and really building your empire there. Dokopan is just so. Fantastic, and it's become this gem to where I think the Wii version's like going for about two hundred and forty bucks yeah, for a complete is, copy yeah, right
2: I, now. I sold one about a year ago, and it was like around two hundred then.
0: But I remember when I'm it was twenty mine bucks. for dear life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I bought mine pre-owned at GameStop for twenty bucks. I remember seeing a pile of them in a bin at Toys R Us for five dollars a piece Oof. when my daughter was. Still very small. And I I looked at it and I was like, that's kind of cool. But I think I'll hang on to the five bucks. I should have bought all of them. But who knew? Who freaking knew? Dokapon is just fantastic. My wife and I played a campaign against each other and we never finished it because I set it to like a thousand days. Yeah. (laughs) And you don't really want to do a campaign that long. But still, we had such great fun playing against each other that whole time. I can't wait for this thing to release. We're looking at the end of June. June 30th is the release date right now. And James, you shot me the link and blew mine. Uh, yeah, I was literally
1: just looking through uh, pre-order titles because I like to stay ahead of that. And the kind of games I like to play, you really do have to pre-order to even get. And this thing pops up and I ha- I stop in my tracks. Mm-hmm. I can't believe it. Like I leave Amazon and go research to make sure this is real. <laughs>
0: And the lesson there is from what you said shortly thereafter that I'm not sleeping on this. No one better sleep on this. If you have not pre-ordered Dokapon, I mean, you can do it right now. But if you haven't, you'd better do it because that's going to dry up and it may not end up being a $250 game. But I mean, if we're already having trouble getting the dadgum Metroid remake that just came out or whatever. I mean, I could see a very similar situation. This is Absolutely. not a game that you're going to walk into Target or Best Buy and see 47 of them on the shelf. We're we're done with that anyway on most games. You're going to want reservations. They're not getting stock anymore, but you definitely are not going to see it. This game may not even come to your town if you don't pre-order it. I can't even believe that they're doing it. I can't even believe that there's a market for this. It's got to be based on the fact that it's so rare, because the fact that it's rare and it's so valuable would suggest that they're seeing it, those $200 dollar copies yeah. and saying, what can we do with that? Yeah, it's in demand. Somebody wants yeah. this game and enough people have talked about it to where, oh man, I wish I had that because it's, this you know, much these, fun. these companies
2: keep an eye on that kind of stuff. Like, are the old games burning a hole in people's pockets right now? Let's re-put them out.
0: But Upon is super fun. You've got so many different realms to go into. At one point, I delved this whole cave and came out in the world up in the clouds above the map, and my wife and I were on different parts of the map at this point doing our own thing. Eventually, we met back up and fought. You're against these other players, whoever's playing with you. The DS Dokapon was not as great. I mean, it's as great as a DS version of something could be, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, I am super stoked about a new Dokapon. Yeah,
1: one of my favorite multiplayer games of all time. Bring it.
0: So another fantastic edition of Modern Core Gamer. Always such fun things to talk about. I want to thank you all for being here with me. James, thanks for everything you brought to the table today. Had a great time. And Captain, as always, thanks so much for making it happen. Hey man, you know it. I hope that all of you, the listener, are enjoying Modern Core Gamer. I hope that if you're listening to us on Spotify, you're going to give us a follow. I hope if you're listening to us on Apple Podcast, you're going to go ahead and give us that sweet five-star rating because I know you're enjoying what's going on here and we want to keep bringing you this content each and every time that we do it so much more coming your way follow us on twitter too at modern core gamer always will be updates and links their information about what's coming down the pipes in this fantastic podcast again so much more coming your way soon mc mer signing off for this fantabulous edition of the podcast and we'll see each and every one of you on the next one